So we have a lot, uh, we have two readings this morning. So um, sit back and, and just soak it in. First from Psalm 69, verses 30 to 33. I will praise God's name with song. I will magnify God with thanks because that is more pleasing to God than an ox, more pleasing than a young bull with full horns and hooves. Let the afflicted see it and be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts beat strong again because God listens to the needy and doesn't despise his captives. Listen to God's word, people of Judah, all you families of the Israelite household. This is what God says. What wrong did your ancestors find in me that made them wander so far? You were called to freedom, sisters, brothers, and siblings. Only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but to serve each other through love. All the law has been, sorry, we're now switching to Galatians chapter five, verses 13 to 26. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the spirit and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's, a person's selfish desires are set against the spirit and the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you, as I have already warned you, that those who do those kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the spirit, let's follow the spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry or be jealous of each other. This is the word of God for the people of God. like to uh, introduce our preacher for the day. One of the great things that we can do with the hybrid service is have different voices in. And, and you know, those of you that have been joining us on Zoom, we've often had different voices come into the space um, because the technology allows for it. Um, today, uh, I, as I like to do is to not just bring good preachers and contents into our space and worship, but to introduce you to genuinely good human beings that are serving our church. 
Today, I've invited Angela Williams to come in. And Angela, you can do all the technical introductions about you and all the things you're doing, um, but does some amazing work, not just in uh, reproductive rights and faith-based organizing, but just as a person who continually nurtures and cares for our community. I think I met Angela, um, you know, I'm at the stage now in my career where I'm old, and so I, like I've met people and I've made this like, did I meet you, were you in high school? And I'm like, that's not really true. But I think Angela was in seminary at least, I think, and we might've met at Montreal Youth Conferences and we met our general assemblies and other things. So Angela is definitely one of those um, leaders in our church that is helping us, helping to push us into being more fully who God is calling us to be. And so I'm grateful uh, for Angela Williams who is joining us. I think Angela is coming from Texas right now. So uh, no, she's not coming from Texas right now. She's She's somewhere. It doesn't really matter when you're on Zoom. Uh, so welcome, Angela. You can feel free to do more introduction. Uh, and uh, we're so glad that you are here today. So welcome to Angela Williams. Thank you so much, Bruce. And good morning, First Presbyterian Church of Palo Alto. Um, from wherever you are, I am actually in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is unceded land of the Caddo. Seti, Sakoan, Ogashpa, and Osage peoples. Um, I'm so excited to be with all of you. And thank you, Bruce, for the uh, for the request and for the welcome that you give. And Bruce, it's always good to um, be in community with you. And I'm excited that you're introducing me to all of this these wonderful people. Um, as we worship together, I want to share with you a little bit more about myself. Um, I am Reverend Angela Williams. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm an ordained queer Presbyterian pastor and community organizer. Um, I'm the lead organizer of a new group called Sacred, the Spiritual Alliance of Communities for Reproductive Dignity. And this coming January, very soon, we're hosting the first ever national conference that's bringing together faith voices, and the reproductive freedom movement. And all of you are invited to join this online gathering, and I will make sure that you get the information. Those of you on Zoom, I'll put the link in the chat. Um, and Bruce, I'll email you, or you might already have the link. I don't know. Um, but all of you are welcome to join this conference of people of faith who support reproductive freedom. Um, this is, as we all know, a crucial time in our country that we really need to have more faith voices speaking up on this issue. And let us now worship together. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and your spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Amen. So when Bruce gave me the scriptures for today, I said out loud to myself, whew, Bruce, you did not want to make this one easy on me, did you? I preach a lot on reproductive rights and faith and how we can see, have a reproductive freedom lens as we read our sacred texts. And these two texts are not ones that would pop to the top of my list that I would choose to preach on. <laughs> but the longer that I sat with these texts, the more I could see how they fit together and with our theme today of reproductive justice and the control of our bodies. It's important that we start with some definitions. The term reproductive justice might be new to you. It is a broad intersectional framework that is rooted in human rights, 
social justice, and reproductive rights. It's a framework that comes from a coalition of women of color, especially Black women, who in 1994 saw the ways that each of these individual movements did not adequately address the needs and concerns of these women and their communities. So the four principles of reproductive justice are, one, the right to maintain bodily autonomy, two, the right to have children, three, the right not to have children, and four, the right to parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. These principles, this definition comes from Sister Song, the Women of Ju Color Justice Collective, which is the national reproductive justice organization. I encourage you to look them up and follow all of the good work that they're doing. So this movement for reproductive justice works for expansive abortion access and access to comprehensive sex education and contraception. They also work to lower maternal mortality rates and on HIV awareness and prevention. Reproductive justice also cares about prostate, prostate health, expanded Medicaid access, and healthcare for all. They work to dismantle the prison industrial complex and push for more just immigration systems. Reproductive justice is for queer liberation and trans flourishing. There is room for all of these social justice issues in the movement for reproductive justice. So what does this have to do with our texts for this morning? Let's take a look at Galatians. Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia, a community of early Christians. So it's time we have to talk about our friend Paul. If you have been in Christian circles for a while, I imagine you may have heard some hateful or discriminatory messages in the name of Paul or letters that he wrote. And some translations of this very passage have been used to shame, judge, or stigmatize others for their behavior or relationships that some group of people have deemed immoral. Even the Common English Bible, whose translation we read this morning, has some shaming words in this translation. Drug use, drunkenness, partying. Those who do these things won't inherit God's kingdom. Wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. But I, I don't think that Paul is saying if you've ever lit one up or had a few too many drinks out that you won't get into heaven. If that's the takeaway from this passage, I think we're missing the point. So let's keep reading. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul is offering a measure for how to live life in community. Let's look at the fruits of our thoughts, our behaviors, and our systems. After all, this passage begins with, for you were called to freedom, brothers, sisters, and siblings, not to indulge your selfish impulses, but to serve each other in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. When I look at the world around us, our systems and our laws, the ways that we treat each other, 
I sometimes wonder where the fruit of the spirit is until recently, Bruce got this right. I moved about six months ago until recently I lived in Texas where the state legislature passed SB eight into law, which bans abortion after six weeks and puts in place a system of vigilante justice where anyone can sue anyone they think has quote aided and abetted an abortion after six weeks of gestation. If someone thinks a doctor has given compassionate abortion care to someone who no longer wanted to be pregnant at eight weeks, that doctor could be sued and the person who sued them could receive $10,000 at minimum. So when I look at this law, I don't see the fruits of the spirit. I, I don't really see where joy and peace patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control are. I see some, someone who's driven by a selfish desire who, who might think they know what's best for another person who's using the power of an unjust law to confine and to control another person's body. In the reproductive health rights and justice coalition space, I see leaders who bring joy to their work who counsel pregnant people with patience and with kindness, who show gentleness and self-control as they accompany people making reproductive decisions. I get to meet people who have made the decision to terminate pregnancies because they needed to show love and joy to the children they already have rather than bring another child into this world. Yet, we live in a culture that has shamed and judged and stigmatized our bodies, our sexualities, and our reproductive decisions, including abortion. There is seemingly one right way to make a family, all right? You might know this story. You've got one cisgender heterosexual woman who marries one cisgender heterosexual man. They easily, they, they get married, um, they easily get pregnant, give birth and raise 2.5 perfect, beautiful children. That's a nice story, but where is freedom and liberation or flourishing in that model? I want more for you. God wants more for you. And I believe that even Paul probably wants more for you. There is room for you and your feelings, your experiences, your grief and relief, and everything in between in the kingdom of God. If you don't want children, welcome. We've got a chair right here for you. If you are queer or trans, I am so glad to see you at God's feast. If you've experienced miscarriage, infertility, complicated pregnancies, birth trauma, or postpartum depression, beloved, I've got a spot right here next to me. If you've got complicated feelings about pregnancy, birth, or parenting, or you know you're going to need extra intervention to become a parent, know that God has room for all of your feelings and God holds you close to her heart. If you are one of the one in four women who has had an abortion, know that God was with you as you made that sacred decision, no matter what society says. 
if you have ever felt the weight of shame and judgment on your shoulders and wondered where in the world God was, my friend, you are not alone. The psalmist for today's psalm is right there with you. We only read some of the last verses today, but I encourage you to read the rest of Psalm 69 sometime. The author cries out, I am tired of crying. My throat is hoarse. My eyes are exhausted with waiting for my God. Don't let me drown. Let me be saved from those who hate me. You know the insults I've received, my shame and my disgrace. I'm sick about it. I am full of pain. I imagine that this person has gone through a horrific ordeal, suffering shame, trauma, and being cast out from their community. Maybe like a young trans kid who has been disowned by their family and they don't know what to do or where to go. Or like a family rushing to escape a home that is no longer safe, only to be separated from each other and incarcerated for daring to seek asylum in another country. Like the young black man taken away from his child for a broken taillight because He looked at a police officer the wrong way. This suffering is an outcome of bad theology and harmful policies, of systems set to destroy rather than to build community and lives of flourishing. And each of these situations show a reproductive injustice. It's violations of bodily autonomy and the right to live in safe and sustainable communities. Unfortunately, we live in a system of capitalism that exploits people and profits off of the destruction of the earth and of our communities. Rather than create liberation for all, our system divides and separates, criminalizes and incarcerates. In this system, the solution for problems created by under-resourcing is not as one might think, giving more resources, but it is in controlling bodies. More people in prison means more money for for for-profit companies and slave labor for private and for public benefit. I have to ask, where is the fruit of the spirit? Where is the joy, the love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in such a system. I do think that Paul got this part right. This is a good way to measure the spirit of our systems. Where are the fruits of the spirit? I think they're in the psalmist's lament, who, even in the midst of suffering, can still praise God's name with song, who magnifies God with thanks, because we worship a God who listens to the needy and does not despise the captives. As we go forward in this season of Advent, awaiting the birth of Christ, let us strive to follow the fruits of the spirit. Let us sit with the afflicted and help unbind their chains. Let us love one another free from shame, judgment, and stigma. 
and let us seek to live the life to which we are called a life of freedom and liberation, my siblings in Christ. Amen.